Let us sample the poems of August's second fortnight. This is Lama Jigme Gyatso of the Buddha Joy Meditation School. Welcome to Meditate Like a Jedi. I prefer to create a podcast once every two or three days, but sometimes scheduling becomes ungainly. So this is much longer than I'm used to. I'll try to create a gap between the end of each poem and the start of the next so that you can pause it wherever it suits you if you were listening to this during a commute or perhaps during a meal. We shall begin with a poem whose title is Wander the Corridors of My Heart. After a lifetime observing the motivations that wander the corridors of my heart, like Lady Macbeth in Shakespeare's play, I am forced to conclude that gratitude and love and remuneration are seldom satisfying, for it is the kindness itself that is its own reward. This brings us to our second poem, We, These Mammals, Known as Human. We, these mammals, known as human, are neither fleet of foot, nor strong of limb, nor sharp of claw, nor long of fang. And yet we have managed to survive, and not only endure, but thrive. Why is that? Yes, we have thrived partly due to our big old forebrains, but mainly because our midbrains, replete with anterior gyrate and a firmament of mirror neurons, are wired for empathy as well as cooperation, and in teamwork with our forebrain, wisdom. These are not weaknesses, but strengths, as well as being humanity's only hope of avoiding an apocalypse of our own doing, either at the hands of industry and climate change, or due to weapons of war and nuclear winter. Today's third poem, May We Stop Drowning Today. May we stop drowning today in the muddy water of our ceaseless planning for a tomorrow over which we have absolutely no control. Our fourth poem, A Funeral. In the Buddhist tantric tradition, a funeral exists by way of intention, not to comfort the bereaved, but to safely guide the departed to an auspicious rebirth. For the power of love to soothe those in mourning cannot be overstated. Death could be a profoundly disorienting process wherein our loved one experiences their sense perceptions collapsing inward upon themselves in a manner not dissimilar to the way some flowers coalesce their petals at dusk. 
in the spirit of empathy, we could explore that experience by contemplating all beings of all worlds other than earthlings impermanently melting into rainbows that interdependently absorb into their worlds other than earth which too melt into rainbows that absorb into all earthlings other than our neighbors who blissfully melt into rainbows that absorb into the entire earth except for our neighborhood the earth too melts into rainbow light that absorbs into our neighbors, who also melt into rainbow light, that absorbs into our neighborhood, which too melts into rainbow light, that absorbs into our body, which also melts into rainbow light, that absorbs into our speech faculty. Our speech too melts into rainbow light and absorbs into our mind, which also absorbs into rainbow light, that absorbs into the void spacious and infinite and utterly non-graspable. This process could feel subtly familiar, for it is what we experience to a certain degree every time we fall asleep. And just as falling asleep is followed by a thoughtless swoon that occurs prior to the dream state, we too take a break from a contemplation and sympathetically rest with our departed one as we coordinate our passive awareness with each inhalation and our physical relaxation as well as mental release with every out-breath. Vulnerably, we watch the play of mind non-analytically without even bothering to label our experience and we relax into the non-graspable nature of the experience and the experiencer. We do this by silently and mentally reciting, notice this during each inhalation and relaxing during each exhalation. But nothing lasts forever. And just as each sleeper's swoon of thoughtlessness drifts into dream, where we quietly go insane, at least temporarily. We continue to harmonize with the departed, willing that their mind take on the shape of the syllable Tom, symbolizing the enlightened mind of Tade, a female archetype of enlightened activity. We do this by silently and mentally reciting Grin to Tom during each exhalation and relaxing during each exhalation. As we feel our heart fill with love and joy, our practice of love and letting go grows more coarse. As we blend them with the four bases of mindfulness, first we lovingly wish that our loved one's mind be as wise as Tade's mind of bliss. And then we wisely contemplate how their mind could be as non-graspable as Tade's mind of light. Secondly, we lovingly wish that our loved one's communication be as loving as Tade's speech of bliss. And then wisely contemplate how their communication could be as non-graspable as Tade's speech of light. Third, we lovingly wish that our loved one's new body 
be as healthy as Tati's form of bliss, and then wisely contemplate how their body could be as non-graspable as Tati's form of light. Fourth, we lovingly wish that our loved one's new circumstance be as fortunate as Tade's lot of bliss, and then contemplate how their lot in life could be as non-graspable as Tade's lot of light. Again, we could rest in the passive awareness of mind and relax into its non-graspable nature, allowing our practice of love and letting go to do their healing work upon our body and mind. Our next poem, To Rapidly Understand. To rapidly understand the Buddha's path, that we might practice it and come to master it, we must set aside the controlling, prideful, and pseudo-intellectual habit of viewing his teachings through the lens of our preconceptions. Four, four-sevenths of the Buddha's method, meditation method relies upon the strategic use of duality as a tool. This means, for starters, that we must suspend our assumption that dualities are somehow unspiritual which is a notion popularized by commentaries to the Tao Te Ching that were penned by well-meaning, yet stupid, white men. Our next poem, Wired to Shove Away Contempt. As healthy mammals, each born with a midbrain, replete with an anterior gyrate and its constellation of mirror neurons, we are wired to shove away the contempt that others might feel for us and to reach for their respect of us. The Buddha taught this aversion for contempt and this craving for respect were neither indictments nor validations of our inherent spirituality. To the contrary, he taught the only bar barometers of our spiritual maturity was not what we felt, but rather what we do with what we feel. Namely, notice our experience vulnerably and non-conceptually, and harness our aversion and craving to fuel our cultivation of compassion and love and the wisdom of letting go. Our next poem, Our Desire to be Valued. When Aretha Franklin sang of R-E-S-B-E-C-T, she touched upon a deeply felt human need. Our desire to be respected and valued by our peers is not mere pride or insecurity. It is rooted in evolutionary biology for our ancestors with the traits that neither eschewed the contempt of their fellows nor sought their respect did not live long enough to pass down their genetic material. The next poem, The Power of Love. Of course, it's difficult to say that without re recalling the song by Huey Newton and the news. 
and the poem begins. I believe in the power of love and the power of letting go and the power of mindfulness, passive and centered and spontaneous. Our next poem, Thousands of Hours. Just as one cannot step into the same stream twice, for it is ever-changing and as such is not the same stream twice. Likewise, a lama who is not a hypocrite, who has tens of thousands of hours of formal study and additional tens of thousands of hours of formal meditation is ever-changing and as such simply cannot teach the same lesson the same way twice. Our next poem, The Three Lenses. What is it that fills us with rage or fear or sorrow? How could it always change? How could it not be that which defines us? These are the three lenses through which the Buddha taught us to view the present moment that we might release it. The next poem, the Buddha taught seven enlightenment factors. The Buddha taught the seven enlightenment factors rather than merely enumerating them in a manner as cold, academic, and pseudo-insightful as one mindfulness, two investigation, three energy, four joy, five relaxation, six release, and seven balance. Instead, we could remember that the Buddha, rather than imploring us to concentrate on purity, taught us to be mindful of all that we experience. Instead of defensively suppressing perceptions or emotions or intentions or thoughts or memories or fantasies best described as grotesque, he taught us to explore whatever we experience with vulnerability and curiosity, not with the shame of self-loathing and duality that hates some thoughts and loves others, but with the joy that comes from vulnerability and curiosity that is fueled by the energy of enthusiasm and curiosity, and is tempered by both the physical relaxation as well as mental release that helps us to find the balance between the strain of resisting the presence of what we hate and the strain of resisting the absence of what we crave as well as the strain of resisting the potential loss of what we have, but rather live in balance in the spacious freedom that comes from balancing, surrender with spontaneity and centeredness. Our next poem, Debating Trivialities with the Self-Important. Aha, someone wrote, asked me a question on Instagram. I'm off to set up an account to follow on YouTube, Jedi. Well, bless your heart, I send you a great big psychic hug. Thank you. 
And so I shall continue with the next poem. This Lama has not come to debate trivialities with the self-important. For if one is not eager to receive my teachings, then my time is better spent. Then my time is better spent with those who are rearing to go. And now, <laughs> and now for something completely different, a spiritual poem. <laughs> this one is entitled "Difficulty Manifesting." Ironic that this one has a Buddha with rhinestones on his shoulders. It has been my sad experience that the more abuse one severs in childhood, be it verbal or physical or sexual, the more difficulty one could experience manifesting financial abundance. Why? No, not why, but what? For the first priority of our inner scientist is to observe the data and discover a pattern that replicates in the experience of others. This empirical method should have been taught to us in junior high school, but there are so many forms of wealth other than and different to money. There is creativity and insight and empathy and compassion these could be our wealth, whose value could persist. These could be our wealth, whose value could surpass even green pieces of paper printed with the likenesses of dead notables. The next poem, the duality of pushing and pulling. Come, let us consider how the duality of pushing and pulling could influence our experience of compassion and love. Our brainstems are wired to push away from us that which is a threat to our survival and reproduction. However, when we push dangers away from others, that is compassion. Our brainstem is also wired to pull things to us that are also favorable for survival and reproduction. And when we pull those needful things to others, that is love. The difference between aversion and compassion is merely one of scope, personal or local or global or universal. The difference between greed and love is simply determined by its beneficiaries, ourselves, or our neighbors, or our fellow earthlings, or all beings of all worlds, of all galaxies, of all universes, real or imagined. Our next poem is Chasing After Creative Inspiration. 
Chasing after creative inspiration is far too much, like screaming at your cat and expecting him to come out, of, out from hiding under your couch. Better to walk off to the kitchen, open a can of their favorite wet food, and wait for them to come to you. Fellow creatives, do you want more inspiration? Then center yourself. Let it come to you, and the moment it does, act upon it. Scribble it down, or record it into your smartphone, or draw it upon a yellow pad. Always have near your person a means of re take two. Always have near your person a means of recording the murmurs of the metaphoric muses. How? How do we accept their flashes of insight? By running with the ball as best we can, eschewing perfectionism and allowing for the flaws that make us the unique conduits of the collective unconscious. Or Dharmakaya, if you prefer Sanskrit. This collective unconscious that is always seeking an avenue of expression, the same way that a driver caught in a traffic jam could enthusiastically check out their Waze app in search of a detour, scenic and faster moving than the parking lot uh, the highway has become. The more we balance the polar opposites of centeredness and spontaneity, as well as passiveness and enthusiasm, the more apt we are to receive ever-increasing flashes of inspiration, like a water tip that has been fully opened. Our next poem, As Buddhism Evolved. Excuse me. As Buddhism evolved over the centuries and became Mahayana, some things were subtracted and some things were added. Some of these things that were added were quite useful, and some of these things that were added were poisonous. Our next poem, not a sprint, but a stroll. The path of mastering of a Buddha's teachings is not a sprint, but a stroll. At first, content yourself to meditate for five minutes every morning for five minutes every evening, as doing so could reap greater benefits than enduring a 60-minute sitting session once a month or even once a week. For a humble, consistent, twice-daily practice will always trump an inconsistent practice. <laughs> Take two. 
for a humble, consistent, twice-daily practice will always trump, an inconsistent practice, heroic in effort, yet sporadic in frequency. As, drop by drop, a cavern's great stalactites are formed, rest assured that if at first we call the practice merely five minutes in length, but repeating every 12 hours or so. Then, it is only a matter of time before circumstances shift and ability grows and spontaneously we find ourselves meditating 20 or 40 or even 60 minutes twice daily. And surely thereafter we could find that we have memorized the practice text effortlessly, effectively, and spontaneously. What could you do when hour-long meditations, free of the need to read a manual, have become your habit, easy and pleasurable and transformative? Our next poem. The Buddha did not teach concentration. The Buddha did not teach concentration, rigid, active, and controlling, but rather he taught mindfulness flexible and passive and acquiescent. The next poem is entitled, Mindfulness Meditation is Very Old, Even Older Than Me. Mindfulness Meditation, or Sati Bhavana, if you prefer Pali, is very old. Developed more than 25 centuries ago, it is not so much a teaching of this new age, or silicon age, as it is a treasure from the Venn diagram describing the overlap between the Bronze and Iron Ages. Our next poem, Let Us Not Confuse Concentration. Let us not confuse concentration with mindfulness, for concentration, active and contrived, stimulates our sympathetic nervous system, making us more cranky and anxious, whereas mindfulness, passive and spontaneous, accesses our parasympathetic nervous system, the source of the peace and resiliency for which we came to meditate in the first place. So let us dispense with the folly of striving to control our attention. And rather, like a moviegoer at the cinema, let us sit back, let go, enjoy the ride, and see where it takes us.
We come now to the last meditation of this podcast. The purpose of meditation. And that sounded ominous. It's not, it's not the last meditation of this podcast ever. It's the last... <laughs> It's the last meta is the last poem of this podcast today. The goal of meditation is not to prevent us from feeling certain emotions, for that would be the metaphysical equivalent of a lobotomy. No, the purpose of meditation is to make us more mindful of what we feel, so that w so <laughs> take two. No, the purpose of meditation is to make us more mindful of what we feel, so that what we feel does not sneak up on us and make us act the fool. And then, to help us harness the energy of what we feel, to fuel our love and compassion and the wisdom of letting go, that we might become the healthy, well-adjusted adults that we have always longed to be. My friends, I thank you for your time and your kind attention. If, if these poems are of value to you, please consider supporting this channel using the link below. If you cannot afford to do so, then please simply like this video and comment on it as it really helps the algorithm. Until next we speak, may you and yours be healthy and happy.